0: Now, here are your hosts, Kyle and Lolita.
1: Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate Podcast. We're your hosts, Lolita and Kyle. In continuation of our female guests for the first quarter of 2020 and celebrating successful women in the real estate industry, we have Trina Piscino joining us today. Trina, thanks so much for being on with us. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys? We are good. Well, let's go ahead and get started. Trina serves as a chief of operations with WR Property Management, which is a full service property management company working in the Northern California, East Bay, and surrounding areas. Serving within asset management, Trina specializes in recognizing undervalued assets and working through the due diligence, logistics, and realistic budgeting necessary to maximize the asset's cash flow and reposition feasibility. Trina and her team have successfully repositioned. 109 units over the past two years and currently controls 82 doors as a general partner if you're an active investor you know that your team absolutely needs to consist of a great property manager in this interview you'll hear exactly what to look for in one and what they should be doing so that you're maximizing your dollars in this team member with that being said trina could you please tell the listeners a little bit more about yourself and what you currently do
2: uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, first of all, thank you for inviting me on. I've really been following what you guys are up to, and I love your content, so keep it up. I'm super happy to chat with you. Um, just a little bit about my background. It's quite eclectic um, through my work experience, but I feel like all of those facets have come together to make me a great property manager. Um, I've been doing property management for 10 years now out of uh, Northern California, the Bay Area specifically. Um, I primarily now run um, operations and the trust fund accounting, so I've been able to build myself into a niche away from all of the heavy lifting of property management, but definitely that's where a lot of my background comes from. Um, As you mentioned, I have a GP in um, 82 doors right now for reposition specifically, and um, really it just all comes full, full circle back to property management. That's what I love doing, so yeah.
1: Awesome.
3: Perfect. Thanks for that. So today, obviously, we're going to talk about property management. So can you take us through a day in the life of a property manager?
2: Um, Sure. So I'm going to take you through a day of my life as a property manager. I'm sure it can vary from uh, company to company, but we are a smaller company. So we have a little bit more of a hands-on feel with our clients. With that, um, we're kind of workaholics also. So my day starts uh, between 4 and 6 a.m. where I start checking my emails, voicemails, text messages. Uh, We look for the fires that need to be put out, and we definitely want to stay proactive on those. So um, we're really just looking for the issues that need our most attention. Um, Beyond that, we really need to make sure that we're staying on top of rent collection, delinquency, mitigation, um, and promise to pay arrangements that we have. Uh, pretty much everything that makes the company move forward with cash flow. Um, So uh, on the other end, we're also looking at maintenance issues, uh, making sure that if something was scheduled, that it actually was followed up on. Um, Pretty much full service property management covers all of those aspects and more. Awesome.
3: So what are the best ways for an investor to find a property management company if they're cracking into a new market?
2: Um, You know what, in a new market, um, one thing that I look at is I usually start with other investors that are in that market. Um, Heavy boots on the ground is really important for a successful project. And part of that team is your property manager, but a majority of that team is going to be your other partners um, because you do need to make sure that they're, you know, visiting the property outside of what property management is able to do. Um, That being said, if there are people working and operating in an existing space, they usually have established pretty good relationships. I look for referrals as best as I possibly can because personality matches is very important. Um, It comes up time and time again that you need to be able to actually just have a conversation with the people that you're working with. And if they're, you know, not really the kind of individuals that are going to give it to you straight or be up front, that's usually something that I steer away from in the beginning. That being said, I think broker relationships are awesome to get referrals for property managers. They're the ones who are seeing who the active people in the industry are. Um, Also title reps, I don't think a lot of people are utilizing title reps as much as they should because they can do farming lists for your off-market deals, but title reps also have great relationships with property managers.
3: Oh, awesome. I did not know that last one, so I'll be writing that one down. So Yeah. Okay, so what are some uh, questions investors should be asking to vet their property management companies before bringing, on bo- bringing them on board and hiring them?
2: Sure. Um, I think that's very pro- project-specific. So if the asset that you're looking at is like a stable property – you're gonna to wanna to find a property management company that's you know, looking forward to the path of gentrification to make sure they're staying on top of the market rent increases and not pricing you out. If you're looking for a D class or, C or low C class to reposition it and do value add, you wanna make sure that you're looking for a property management company that has a, a construction element perhaps or great relationships with contractors in the area if you don't already have one yourself. Um, You're going to want to also make sure that they're well versed in the law because you're going to have to be, you know, dealing with the law a lot and getting some of those issues with the project overcome. Um, And then, you know, just really make sure that whatever your project needs is what you're aiming your property management company for. Uh, Again, you're not going to choose someone whose minimum property is 100 doors for your 30 door. You're not going to choose someone who only does single family to take over your 50 unit complex. Um, just make sure that they can function in the space that you're looking for your project.
3: Right. And so you focus on heavy value add. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Perfect. So why did you choose that niche versus, you know, maybe a standard value add type of very, you know, light value add type property, maybe in the B and C class assets?
2: Sure. Well, so it's, it's actually kind of by accident. Um, In my area for property management, again, I've been doing this for a decade, um, a majority of our assets are in that space, in a D to C or a very C minus. Um, we, we have a lot of uh, heavy lift projects over here. That is my experience. A lot of the things that people shy away from heavy uh, repositions is because they understand the dollar that goes with those lessons that you learn the hard way. Um, I've learned a lot of lessons, and I'm not going to pretend that I know everything, but I've learned quite a few things that um, I think is a standard to stay away from, except for I've learned how to navigate through those. The value, um, the the, pot, the potential returns on buying low and repositioning an entire neighborhood are high. There's a lot of parameters that have to be met for that to actually qualify for the project. But if I see those things lining up and I have the experience to get it through the project successfully, um, definitely I'm, I'm not afraid of it. It seems to be what we, gravitate towards though but <laughs> it's just for fun <laughs>
3: yeah so what are some things if someone is interested in a b class or a d class property what are some things that maybe are just too much to handle or something that you look at a property that's a d class and see opportunity
2: yeah so uh one of the first things that i think people really need to be aware of is you can't change your neighbors so if you don't have a big enough footprint for a reposition if you're trying to effectively change the neighborhood. You need to accept that you can't change your neighbors. If your neighbors are part of the problem, you can only control so much of the the neighborhood change. Now, if you have a big enough footprint within your parcel and surrounding properties, then you you most likely can make the change. If the issue of the neighborhood is your property, you can make the change. Um, A lot of things that need to be considered, though, is heavy lease enforcement. A lot of times you have absentee owners from out of area that have been trying to manage from far away, and they don't see the um, day-to-day deficiencies in the property that need to be kept up, such as blight and crime. Um, Those are only things that you're made aware of as an owner through other means, which is usually if you're available on site. So um, I think if you have enough presence with local law enforcement, your local municipality support, um, you have a big enough footprint and you aren't afraid of working with your local subsidy programs if they have a, a good program out there, then definitely. Um, I think those are the first things that we'd have to overcome to move forward with the project.
3: Yeah, it sounds like Class D is definitely more hands on. But so we were interviewing a guest a couple weeks ago, and they mentioned that they took on a Class D property, and their plan was to reposition half of the property, you know, and then do the other half. But what they mm-hmm. found was that as they did that people would not move in because you still had 50 percent of the property with that you know bad tenant. Yeah. so are you completely vacating these buildings or do you see that same type of thing
2: so with the projects that we're currently working um one of the first projects that we took on was uh, fourplex by fourplex so it was one building then the next building then the next building so i had to work with the existing neighborhood and we didn't know how big of a footprint we were going to be establishing in that area, because as they purchased, we were able to, you know, change them. But um, with that, we always wanted to meet the residents and work within the households. There's a way for everyone to be successful in their tenancy, and it doesn't always mean that they have to accept what's going on around them. I think if people see that they have management that genuinely is looking to make things better in the neighborhood, if they're not a part of the problem, they'll help you be part of the solution. Um, that being said if you have a specific demographic and you maintain your rents reasonably, you're you're still going to maintain quality tenants. So for example, this other reposition, um, we're not capping the market. We're not trying to be the industry leaders in you know peaking the market rents. We're maintaining a stable increase, which is very, very fair for the area. It's still the cheapest rents in the area, but with the full reposition, we're still you know, $75 a door more than what we projected in the first place to be at. So just working through those issues, um, the first things, again, being lease enforcement, you should be fine. Just, uh, you know, the people who are the problem, you're going to help them find somewhere else to live. And the people who want to live in a nice place and, you know, cooperate with you through their lease, then they'll, they'll be able to stay.
3: Okay. And earlier you mentioned getting law enforcement involved. Is that something that's pretty easy? I mean, do you just walk in and say, hey, look, I'm taking over this property. We're going to yeah. be putting money into it. Help me. you know? i it yeah. doesn't seem that. I've heard other people say that. So how does that work?
2: So usually if you have a D class or a low C class, the local law enforcement is very well aware of your area. If they've ever had individuals try to come in and change the area before and it hasn't worked out well, all they see is that they're going to be doing a lot of heavy lifting that will benefit you as the owner. They need to see that you actually have full cooperation within the municipality. So for example, this current project that I'm working, um, we were able to parlay with local law enforcement and the city to have poles installed where we actually paid to have the poles installed. But they get to maintain the actual like internet connection and the the power to those poles, so they own the poles now. We've just donated it to them. Um, that was a pretty big buy-in from our partnership to show them that we're serious in changing this neighborhood. And I think that that's not something that every project will be able to do, um, just logistically and you know geographically but this one, that absolutely worked. So that was one of the things that we saw would be a success for the project. Again, a lot of this needs to come up in your property research and your diligence. So if you feel like your business plan would require these things to be successful, but you don't see where in the you know LOI phase that's actually gonna work, you should probably take a look at a different area then.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: Okay, so what's the biggest difference in your mind between an average property manager and a great property manager?
2: Average property manager is just going to do what you tell them to Um, a great property manager is going to participate and collaborate with you to meet your objective. Um, I'll say it a million times. I don't want a yes, man. I definitely don't want someone who's just going to let me speak and not give their input. If they're effective in my management of the property, they should know what's going on and be able to, you know, relay information back and forth. Um, Great communication. Also, that doesn't mean harass your property manager. It means that scheduled, timely updates um, is is definitely something that everyone should make a priority. So yeah, no yes men, no paper pushers. Definitely, yeah, exactly. people participating. <laughs>
3: yep. I mean, our property manager is kind of the same way. They've even pushed back on the market rents. Some property mm-hmm. management companies will say, "Yeah, we'll try and get that," you know, and not tell you that. And uh, that's why yeah. we love ours is because they've said. Look, you, you can't get that there. You got to bring them down, and you know you respect that for sure because they're not just after your business. So I think that's important as well. So, okay. Exactly. So on the flip side, I think you know you probably have people coming looking for you to come on their property. What type of clients do you look for?
2: Um, I genuinely enjoy working with individuals who have the investor mindset. Um, when someone comes in with an investor mindset, you understand deferred maintenance is a real life thing that you need to plan for. Um, you're also not trying to strangle every penny out of the property unrealistically. Um, also, if you see things coming down the pike, you, you don't just pretend like they're not going to hit you straight in the face. <laughs> you need to plan for them. So that's, again, part of the collaborative with a management company being able to help you see as an, an owner in that area what really does need to be a big deal for you to pay attention to versus the stuff that, you know, maybe they're just making a big deal and and can pass off on. Right.
3: Can you talk about maybe some of the things that owners do to hold back a property that make it difficult for a property management company to, you know, manage it efficiently and get results? Because I think a lot of people think, okay, the property management company is not doing a good job, but hey, what's the owner saying? You know, does the owner have a piece in that? Um, So can you talk about that a little bit?
2: Um, Yeah, definitely. So unrealistic expectations is the first thing that will probably kill a deal. Um, You can yell at me all you want, but if that's not the market rent, I'm not going to be able to get it. I mean, once in a blue moon, you can get someone in a desperate situation who very, very quickly needs to move out. Usually, you find out later it's for a reason, but <laughs> if, if someone has unrealistic expectations and just is not wanting to take um, the, the feedback, the constructive feedback that's given, that is a very bad day um, coming quickly. Also, uh, if someone doesn't have a proper budget, again, for maintenance, I mean, water heaters don't last forever. Um, front doors, the hinges, they, they need to be looked at, toilets, anything that's habitability. Um, I really wish that everyone understood that I don't get to make decisions to spend your money out of nowhere. It's because it's the law and I have to, and we're all on the hook for making sure that the tenants are safe in their home. Yep. So, yeah.
3: Have you ever fired a uh, client? You yes. have? Okay. <laughs> Quite a few. <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. So what's the most challenging property that you've ever had to manage and what was the challenge?
2: Uh <laughs> Uh, There's a lot of stories in my head, but um, I'm just going to aim at one. Uh, So the the four plexes that I mentioned, uh, the D-class repositions that were out here in our space, um, again, only picking them up four units by four units was very difficult for us because the change that we are trying to implement per building was a little bit slow because we needed to make sure that we did have a big enough footprint on the property. And we didn't know how many doors that ownership was going to be able to secure. Um, being able to work within those neighborhoods and see the residents that genuinely want to, um, you know, work with you, we've been able to negotiate some pretty amazing programs, um, and like step rent increase programs so that someone is slowly but steadily climbing towards market. Um, being able to secure individuals through the winter so that they can see that they're gonna have a safe place at a stable rent through the holidays um, has been a great thing. Uh, Also, I don't know that that ownership was fully prepared for the costs that come with repositioning a neighborhood like that, such as people don't leave because you ask them to, they leave because you evict them. And the additional legal costs that comes with those processes and vacancy periods Uh, converting the economic vacancy to a physical vacancy was was trying, especially without the proper budget set aside by ownership. So that was difficult.
3: Got it. So what are some creative ways that you're helping your owners drive some NOI?
2: One thing that we like doing in our market is uh, we've actually had some pretty great contacts within certain um, authorities. So uh, Section 8, Shelter, Inc., uh, some of the subsidies, we've uh, climbed to the county supervisor on some items that we weren't getting proper response from the cities on so being able to have like our hands in those kinds of personal contacts with people who can make an effective difference has been helpful that being said uh, we do have quite a few pockets of neighborhoods that are difficult to fill um you know your market rate variance is maybe four hundred dollars a month solely because that neighborhood is well known for not being awesome to live in Um, that being said, utilizing subsidies and making sure that the red tape isn't something that we're strangled by is, is something that we've been able to overcome that with our owners is so that they don't have that significant decrease or longer vacancy than average, just because of the neighborhood conditions. Um, Also, I think that um, regular inspections is important for people to notice if you can stay ahead of a deferred maintenance cost, and not wait for it to become a reactive emergent work order, they're cheaper that way. So just pay attention to your bottom line and how to regularly maintain your units.
3: So how do you get a property management company to be proactive? I mean, I you know it's easy to say, well, they either are or not, but are there certain things to ensure they are being proactive from an investor standpoint?
2: Absolutely. Um, as the investor, the ownership comes with you. So you need to know your asset in your project that you're trying to work. If you have expectations or hopes for outcome by certain benchmarks, share that with your team. As much as you can want for them to take ownership in these things that are genuinely your responsibility, um, that only comes through direction. So, for example, if I have biannual property checks and I can request that in my contract and understand there's going to be an additional fee for that, you see where it's a benefit all around to just build that in. Um, a lot of owners want to save pennies and what do we call it? Tripping over pennies or tripping over dollars to save a penny. <laughs> right. And, right. And, it, and it's very counterproductive. So just stay involved with the actual asset management of your project and communicate that with your project, property management team. Uh, they'll implement stuff. Usually they're shying away from it because they know it's going to cost you. But if you see the value in that cost, There's nothing wrong with it, you
3: know? Perfect. All right. Lolita is going to take us into our final five questions. Are you ready? Have you heard of the Multifamily Investor Nation Summit coming up on January 16th through the 18th? It's a three-day information-packed event for multifamily investors with over 1,000 attendees and over 50 speakers. You will hear from experts about finding deals, raising capital, underwriting strategies, selecting markets, and so much more. I've also been invited as one of the speakers to present on creating authority platforms to accelerate your success. Go to apartmentevent.com to grab your ticket and use promo code limitless to get $100 off. Whether you are new to multifamily investing or a seasoned investor, you do not want to miss this event. Join me at the Multifamily Investor Nation Summit. Visit apartmentevent.com.
1: All right, Trina, here we go. What advice would you give to women out there looking to get started in real estate investing?
2: Well, for women specifically, Mm -hmm. uh, I'd say own the fact that we're natural multitaskers. We can see everything from a mile away. Don't shy away from that. I think a lot of people think that you need to be laser focused all the time, but there's the benefit to what we call diffusion awareness. (laughs) So harness that. Um, Also, when you feel like it's not your turn to speak up, squash that real quick. Um, you need to speak up and you need to be as active as everybody else. Even when you think there's a silly question, I guarantee someone else thought that too. So speak up. Yeah, I like that.
1: Yeah. What is the one tool you use in real estate investing that you cannot do without? It's going to sound cheesy,
2: but like my, my people. <laughs> i love you guys <laughs> i love the people that i network with um the value that the humans that you surround yourself with can bring to your projects is insane i mean if i had my 10 years of experience and i know someone who's had another different 10 years of experience i wanna i want to compound on that and even just sharing the stories um, there's there's crms for databases there's boot camps for education there's deal evaluators for pro formas, but the humans that you interact with is how you're going to survive the ever-changing market. I mean, the market's constantly going somewhere else and you got to learn other piece, people's lessons. So.
1: Awesome. Can you tell us a story about your biggest mistake in real estate investing and the main takeaway for our listeners?
2: Yeah. So uh, Simple. Uh when I first started um really hitting the ground running in multifamily investment, I hit the thing I did right was I was educating myself from the beginning. Learning, learning, learning. As many things as I can get my hands on, I learned. Now the downside is is I focused way too hard on the concept that I needed to know how to do everything by myself uh, before I can pull any triggers, which was very unfortunate because I killed six months of hunting. In my backyard of california which is very difficult to make any (laughs) (laughs) any money out here so um, a lot of hard knocks that way so don't don't get too laser focused (laughs) on that cool what is it that you need to do now to grow your life to the next level um i'm actually in the middle of it uh right now i'm in a very decent uh change in my career which is awesome but it stems from collaborating with, um, bigger fish. So just make sure that I just got to keep growing and climbing my ladder. I'm a ladder climber. So yeah.
1: you're <laughs> Awesome. And finally, Trina, where can people find out more about you?
2: Uh, honestly, for, for business purposes, I, I really like to direct everything towards Facebook uh, solely because there's events on there. There's content on there. There's contact information on there. So, Trina Piceno at Facebook. Perfect. Well, yeah. listeners,
1: Trina really knows her stuff and has so much to offer in your real estate investments. So if you're in her area, be sure to reach out to her. Trina, it's always so great to talk to you. Yeah,
2: thank you. It's so good Thanks. seeing you guys again. Bye. Bye. Thanks for being
1: on. Bye. Bye.
0: Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please go to iTunes and leave a rating and written review to help us grow and reach more listeners. You can also go to the Passive Income Through Multifamily Real Estate group on Facebook so you can connect with Kyle and Lolita and ask your questions that you want them to answer on the show. Subscribe too so that you can get the latest episodes. Lastly, to stay updated, head on over to limitless-estates.com and sign up for the newsletter. If you're interested in partnering with Kyle and Lolita, sign up on the Contact Us page so you can talk to them directly. Thanks again for joining us. Be sure to tune in again next week for another episode.